All right. Well, hey, welcome back and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where I indicated to you we're going to begin a three-week study now, maybe potentially more than three weeks, depending on how long I keep you here. (laughs) I'll try not to, but maybe a little bit long. But our next three chapters, let's put it that way, are about the spiritual gifts. And in fact... This in the first verse of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It says this. I'm going to call on somebody. It might be the first time I ever called on somebody. But anyway, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You use the King James. Tell me what it says, please. Yep. And in my Bible, the New King James, gifts is in italics. Is it in italics in your Bible? Okay, so gifts is in italics in the King James Version and also the New King James Version. And you know the reason why? Because that word actually isn't there in the Greek. It actually stops at spirituals or spirit, yeah, spiritual, which is saying spirituals. And the word there, I want you to know this, is pneumatica. Now, pneuma means wind or breath. And who here is good uh, with tools? I know a couple people here are good with tools. I'm not one of them. But you know, you can use a pneumatic hammer. Ever heard of that? Where the air pumps through it and it does its work and bangs, you know, hammer something. You got it? Pneumatica. In other words, now concerning the spirituals the things of the Spirit. And the reason people put gifts there is because we know they're implying gifts because later in this verse or these chapters, it talks about gifts and the word is actually there. Now let me tell you what the word is that they're using all throughout this chapter. Gifts. Charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. Don't we know a young lady who was at Narraway? Her name is Charis. Yeah, I think that's true. She was named after the Greek word for grace. Now you're saying, why are you telling me that? Because, see, we have different views in the church about the spiritual gifts. We have some good brothers and sisters who believe that the gifts ceased. Therefore, they're called cessationists. And I want you to know that term. It's not in the Bible, but people have just termed them that. Cessationists. They believe the gifts have gone away, or most of the gifts. Primarily, the miraculous gifts, but that's another story. And then there's people in the church who are called continuationists. They believe in the continuation of the gifts and that gifts didn't cease and haven't ceased, and so the gifts continue on. And the reason I'm telling you the word for gift, charis, is because there's also a thought in the church or there's thinking in the church. I'll bet you right now, as I mentioned, that we're going to study the spiritual gifts I'll bet you there's been two different camps of reaction and a whole bunch in between. And one reaction is, praise the Lord. Let's take the lid off the gifts, baby, and let's do the gifts. And that is fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not making fun. And yet, you've seen it and I've seen it where the supposed, and there are gifts, I believe the gifts are for today, so I'll let the cat out of the bag, and so do we, but there's people who have abused the gifts in such a way that it makes some of us shirk from the gifts because we see things like on TV or in seminars or these people who are running around the stage and barking like dogs and laughing and things like that, and it's really bizarre, and I'm, I'm just putting it out there, and, it, and it's a misuse And what Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel used to say is that's not charismatic. That's charismania. 
that's, that's gone off the rails. Because all that charismatic means is that you believe in the continuation of the gifts. And it's a derivation from the Greek word for gift. Who here likes gifts? Yes, I know. Even if you're a cessationist, you love gifts, right? I love gifts. So we have that camp, the charismaniacs, but then we have in another camp, and some of you might be in that camp. I'm just, you know, being straight with you that have seen lots of the abuses and so retreat in such a way from the person and work of the Holy Spirit that even if somebody brings up the gifts, it just sort of makes us feel fearful or creepy or, uh uh-oh, what's he going to get us into? And what we would say is that, well, here's the first thing I would say, or we would say, if you had no, zero, zero (laughs) theological framework, If you weren't in either one of those camps and you just sat down, you'd never read the Bible before, and you just sit down and you read through the New Testament, I would challenge you, if you would just do that, there would be one striking thing that you would think. There are supernatural gifts that operate in the body of the church. I think it would be indisputable. Now, there are a couple places we'll point those out. Because all of you are wondering, are the gifts for today? Well, let me just point you, before we start in chapter 12, to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And this isn't the only argument that a cessationist would make. What is a cessationist? A cessationist is somebody who believes that the gifts have ceased, or many of the gifts, especially the miraculous or supernatural gifts. I believe they're all miraculous or supernatural, but you know what I mean, speaking in tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, those things, those have ceased. And many of them, many people who are cessationists have traditionally used this verse, okay? So let's see what it talks about. And this verse is in chapter 13. It's in the love chapter. I don't think we remember almost ever when we go to a wedding and the pastor reads from the love chapter (laughs) that it's actually in the three chapters that are discussing spiritual gifts, which leads me to a point. What has Paul been talking about that's been a problem in their church Christian liberty. So I personally, and I could easily get into this mode, but I personally think Paul here is saying in between chapter 12 and chapter 14 where he talks about prophecy and tongues, he lists the gifts over in 12, prophecy and tongues mainly over in 14. He gives us love. I think what he's saying is be loving here. Not that you can't have an opinion, but you know what I'm saying. Be loving. That's what the Bible says. Well, over here in 13, after verse 8, where it says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, verse 9, watch this. But when that which is perfect has come, that that which is in part will be done away. And for somebody who's in the cessationist camp, the gifts have ceased or the miraculous gifts have ceased. This is one of the first verses that they point to to show that the gifts, prophecy, boop, tongues, boop, ceased, has gone away. And what they say here is that, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect, and they would say the thing that was perfect was this. When the canon was closed, there was no longer any need for prophecy or tongues. You get it? But what a continuationist would say is, Well, that's not what it's talking about at all. And in fact, that's not what it's talking about. When is it, folks, when we will be perfect? 
so to speak. What would you say? Somebody said it. In heaven, when, so here we are. We live in the church age. They've been called the last days, according to the first part of the book of Acts. We live in the last days, but we live in the church age, the era of grace. We believe that the rapture happens before the tribulation. The church goes out. There's a seven-year period of tribulation. And then at the end of seven years, we come back, the church, with Christ to rule and reign here on earth for a literal 1,000-year kingdom. At the end of that time, the heavens and earth pass away, and we, the new heavens and the earth come, a new earth come, and we rule and reign for, with God forever. Now, when we get to that millennial kingdom, we'll be in our glorified, resurrected bodies. And so, what continuationists would say is that perfect means not the close of canon, but when we are in heaven with the Lord or we're in, we're in the Lord's program in the future, that's when we come, become, so to speak, glorified and resurrected. You get it? And in fact, if you study many scholarly, deep, cessationist people who believe in the extinguishment or the closing of the gifts during the apostolic time or at the close of the canon, many of them will shy away from this verse now. You know why? Because they recognize this is dealing with the future perfection that the Lord's going to usher in. Everybody tracking with me? Okay, so why am I telling you that? Because when we get to chapter 12, Paul is still answering questions through a letter that we first are introduced in, in chapter 7. In chapter 7, if I could ever see it or get there, <laughs> I can't find it in my notes. Why can't I see the 7? Oh, there it is. Now, concerning of the things of which you wrote to me. I've got notes in here, and it's all around the seven. But anyway, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, apparently after Paul went away and was away from the church that he served at for 18 months, there were some problems in the church, and we've been going over them uh, for a long time now. And one of the problems was this problem. People were misusing the gifts just like today. And many of the people were saying, wait a second, you don't have the gift of tongues? Well, I got the gift of tongues. And so I must be, I might be, I may be more spiritual than you. You don't have prophecy? Well, I got prophecy. What do you got? And see, when we get involved in that, Take yourself back to chapter 13. It's not very loving. So we're going to learn about gifts over the next three or four weeks. We're going to learn about the charismatic gifts. So if you're sitting here, you would have found yourself in a charismatic church. Why? Because we believe that the gifts continue. But I want you to know, not that I'm scared about it or anything. It's not charismania. There's a big difference. As we read through, we want to just read through and learn and grow and understand what he's telling us. Why would we do that? Well, stick with me for a second. Because God has told us right here through his word concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. The word is like the word for an atheist or an agnostic. It's not that you are an atheist or an agnostic if you don't believe a certain way about the spiritual gifts. But what he's saying is, I don't want you to be one that doesn't know. Do you get it? About spiritual gifts. Well, what else does he say? I just want you to see this because it's really sort of fascinating to me. Go over to Romans 11. And go into verse 25. Romans 11, verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren or sisters, people of the church, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness is part, 
in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. You're saying, why are you reading me this? Because the Bible tells us that we are not to be ignorant, ignorant of God's, watch this, future program for Israel. I didn't read it, or I didn't make it up. Here it is, right here. What, what else does God not want us to be ignorant about? Spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12.1. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Or if you don't like to turn, just listen, right? So chapter 4, verse 13. What other things does Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tell us not to be ignorant of? I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, concerning those who have fallen asleep, died. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or died. Why? Because I don't want you, Paul says, by, by God inspiring him, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. The Lord is interested in you knowing about uh, eternal life. And listen, this whole chapter is about his coming, his future program of eschatology, the end times, the rapture, the tribulation, his second coming, and he doesn't want you to be ignorant about it. Now, let me ask you something. Just let's talk about this. Is it any coincidence that the enemy has squirreled his way into the church and made the plan for God's, or the future plan for Israel, a real controversy in the church. Do you think that's any coincidence? It's not. The enemy squirreling his way in, trying to divide on that issue. And God says, don't be ignorant about it. How about spiritual gifts? People, churches split over this, folks. People fight about this. Don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. And oh, by the way, don't be ignorant about the eternal life that Jesus brings, what happens in death, and his second coming. Wow. So here, over the next couple weeks, we're going to try and sort of educate ourselves so we won't be ignorant, right? Watch this. Verse 1, chapter 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, verse 3, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to no one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Or Early morning, buddy. Let me back up. For, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? <laughs> For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. That's verse 8 and continuing on. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings. Gifts of healings. Don't we like healings? By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another... Uh, uh, prophecy to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to an, another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, I'm not going to read all through the body of Christ stuff, but I want you to go to verse 27. Skip with me to there. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. And he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, 
Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts? And yet, I show you a more excellent way. So now, having prayed, that's the word of the Lord. And we want to talk about these pneumaticas, the things of the Spirit. We're dealing in supernatural stuff. You understand that? When we come here, this is more than the Kiwanis Club, honestly. This isn't the Kiwanis Club. We're here, and we have fellowship, and we laugh together, and we love together, and we cry together, and all those sorts of things, and we get to know people, but it's not social club. You can do that anywhere. This is something where the Holy Spirit of God comes in, he actually resides in each of us who are born again, and he does supernatural things. Now, for us, we're continuationists. We believe that that 1 Corinthians 13 passage that we talked about is the time stamp. You can actually go to Ephesians 4 and you can find another time stamp, which I believe is the same time stamp. Until Jesus, is com- until Jesus comes, gifts continue. That might be my phone. That's my ring. <laughs> I just changed it to that. Nobody has that ring. <laughs> Jerusalem fund. We haven't had that in a while, but... So we're concerning spiritual gifts, and what I want you to know is we are in a supernatural kingdom of God by the Spirit of God, and supernatural things do and still happen, including gifts. And I would say, and maybe you would or maybe you wouldn't, and I'm being sensitive to you if you come from a tradition that is cessationist-driven or uh, bent, But I would say the way in which you study these three chapters and think about these three chapters teaches you a lot about how you interpret the Bible, or I interpret the Bible. I'm not trying to point, how we interpret the Bible. Are we reading this from a framework of a blank slate and getting what the Lord wants us to get, or are we reading this with an overlay of a theological system into, uh, through which we read the scriptures. Do you get it? And then we bring back out the things that meet the theological overlay. So if you just read, here's what he says, that there are spirituals, pneumaticas, things that are supernatural, brothers, and I want you to educate yourself about them. That's what Paul writes by the Spirit. So would you and would I be open to just learning what the Scriptures say instead of what other people say? Well, read this. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth were mostly made up of what? Greek people who are non-Jewish, although there were some Jewish people there. In the church, in the city, of course. Yet, he's speaking to Gentiles. And you know that you were Gentiles carried away to dumb idols, however you were led. He's saying, you have a framework that you're operating from. And the framework drove you to these idols. And this is going to be a big change for you. Or your life now under Christ is a big change because... Some of you say the idols are nothing, but remember in the Christian liberty chapters, he's saying, but sometimes your background really impacts how you think about the gifts. And we have to be careful there, don't we? So he says, you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Verse 4, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. Now, this leads some people to believe in the letter that was written to Paul, that they were saying, my goodness, Paul, 
You know how when we used to exercise the gifts and it was just real pure and wonderful and the the church was being built up and edified and encouraged? Remember that? Well, we got some people who are coming into the church and they're speaking out in the public assembly or they're prophesying or they're doing something. And when we get an interpreter, they're saying, oh, no, Jesus is accursed. Which leads us to something about all of the gifts or any supernatural thing. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, it's not accurate. So will you be challenged in this area? Will, you, will I be challenged in this area? Will we commit ourselves to learn? Because nobody speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. This has another meaning. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You understand that your life gets translated or transformed from the spirit or the place of darkness or the kingdom of darkness, and we're transformed into the kingdom of the son of love or of his love. And it happens by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. You get that? Well, watch this. Turn with me over to John. If you want to read about the ministry and the work of the person of the Holy Spirit. John is the book, man, or one of the books to read. Look in John 15, verse 26. Look over there. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray. Uh, I'm not in it. Sorry, I'm in the wrong verse, chapter. <laughs> fifteen twenty-six. Sorry about that. It's this. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, who is he? He's the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is speaking, will testify of me. In other words, what do all supernatural gifts do? They testify of Jesus Christ. They're not for you to brag and be showy about or to draw attention to yourself. Everybody with me? Look at this. Go over to uh, John 16. That's why I jumped ahead. Sorry about that. Verse 14. He will glorify me. That's the Holy Spirit. Will glorify Jesus. You get that? He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Do you understand that the things that are of the Holy Spirit make Jesus big? When you watch TV, sorry, just got to say it, and you see some of the charismaniac or charismania stuff that's going on, it's certainly clear to me that that's not attention being drawn to Jesus. It's certainly, as you, if you watch it for more than 1.5 seconds, attention being drawn to the people who are doing it. That's not this. By the way, just as an aside, what's the symbol of the Holy Spirit other than wind? What's the thing that came and rested on Jesus A dove. A dove's not a hawk. A dove's not a falcon. A dove's not a sparrow. Or what's what's the little ones that... Anyway. A dove is beautiful. Look, watch. A dove is beautiful, and what do we think of a dove as? Gentle. It's not something that's running around creating havoc and discord. The Holy Spirit is gentle and good, and yet powerful and strong. So keep going. So when you get there, you say, well, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And then he says there are diversities of gifts. There's the word, charismatic, that charismatic comes from, charis, a gift, charis. It speaks of the grace of God. It speaks of the grace of God, and I want you to put that in your heart and mind. There are the diversities of charis, these gifts, these pneumaticas from the Spirit, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Watch this. Spirit, 
Jesus, and then there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God, God the Father. Do you just see the Trinity right there? Bing. In the realm of the supernatural, it is the Spirit who glorifies the Helper, the Spirit who glorifies Jesus. But this is where the Trinity, the Godhead, is all involved. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. How do I know there's different gifts? Because I just read it. (laughs) By the way, turn over to Romans 12. Is this an exhaustive list of the gifts? I don't think so. Because in Romans 12, there are more. Look over in verse 4 of Romans 12. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing, and how do great gifts get to us? Watch this. I want, I'm, see, I'm just going to pepper in, give you a little salt, add a little salt, I'm going to add a little pepper, add a little cilantro here and there of what the gifts are about. And here, look, they don't have the same function, or wait a minute, for as we have many members, but all the members don't have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, having then gifts differing according to what? Grace. It's God's grace that provides you spiritual gifts, which means, in my opinion, that you just can't conjure them up. They're being given to you. They're gifts. How do we get them? You just ask for them. But, what, but their gifts are getting given according to his good grace and purpose. We're going to see back in the chapter of 1 Corinthians. He gives to those who he wills, to whom he wills. A little bit more pepper, a little bit more salt. Which means... There's no one gift that's an evidence that you're a Christian. In fact, at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, does everybody prophesy? And he's saying to you, no. Not everybody prophesies. Not everybody speaks in tongues. So if somebody comes around and says, the evidence that you're saved is speaking in tongues, that's not true. How do I know? Because I just read it in the Bible to you. And it's by the grace of God. It's to whom he wills. So if you go back with me in Romans 12, as I continue to add to the pot here, (laughs) we have different gifts according to the grace that is given. Watch this. Then let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. How about this? Here's a gift. Teaching. That wasn't in the previous list. That's why I'm reading this to you. He who exhorts, can you believe it, a spiritual, supernatural gift. And I'm not talking about talent now or things that you've been given. I'm talking about a supernatural gift that arrives in your inbox when you need it to do something. And apparently, exhortation is one of the gifts. He who gives with liberality, giving can be a supernatural gift. So we can use our fortunes supernaturally, as we give to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? And I think this is different than just regular, consistent giving. I think he's talking about a supernatural gift. What else? Leads, being a leader in the church. Do it with diligence, with mercy and cheerfulness. Okay, now go back to 1 Corinthians 12, and hopefully I make some sense of all this for you and for me. So there are differing of gifts. Here's something I want you to know. There's all kinds of different supernatural gifts that I don't believe you conjure up. I believe they're given to you because it's grace by the Lord. They're diversities of gifts, but it's by the same Spirit. The same Holy Spirit has given you a gift and you a gift in uh, the places where it can be used 
Not to draw attention to yourself, but to draw attention to Jesus as we build up the body of Christ. That's gifts. Who would be afraid of that? Why would we be shying away from that? Wouldn't we want to build ourselves up the way the Lord asks us to build ourselves up? Yes, I think so. So watch. There are difference of ministries, but the same Lord. And maybe what those ministries are, and I think, you know, ministers, there's apostles, there's prophets, there's teachers, there's miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and variety of tongues. Again, I don't think the list is exhaustive. But they're different ministries, like the Lord's called me to just be the lead pastor, which is really the lead servant. Okay, that's what he's called me to, but it's no different than what he's calling you to. I mean, it is different, but it's no better than what he's called you to. It's just different, you see. And so in my ministry that he's putting me in, he's going to deliver to me supernatural gifts, is everybody tracking with me, that help me exhort and build you up in him. So far be it from me or anyone who receives a gift, you know, if, if I don't know, if one of you gave me a million bucks and I started running around the town saying, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I've worked so hard for this. Look at me, I'm a millionaire. Don't you think I'm great? I'm so intelligent. I have a Ferrari. I have a big house. I'm a millionaire. All you'd say, what are you talking about? He gave you the million bucks. Of course we wouldn't do that. And we wouldn't do it with gifts because we, they're delivered from the Lord. Well, here he says you get different gifts. I've given you some. I've taken you to Revelation, or excuse me, Romans 12. Supernatural gifts. But then there's different ministries that you might do. And in those ministries, it's okay to ask for and receive and then operate in gifts, supernatural gifts. I'm going to give you some examples of that happening right here in this church over the last month. They've happened, folks. He's standing right there in that orange shirt, or sitting right there. He's had a healing, and it's a verified medical healing. What happened? Who here was so great to pray for him, although we do pray for him, and get that healing, get God to do that healing? Nobody. I mean, we do pray for him, but the Lord delivered it to him as he willed so that he can give glory to the Lord and build us up and help us to go out and to share with others. I'll talk about that in a minute. There are diversities of activities. This is a word that's like power. It's like energy. Active, miraculous, working power. So there are diversities of activities that you can do within the ministries. You see? Like, for instance, if, you know, I don't know, Xander was here today. And he had an idea that the Lord had given him about how to evangelize the city, West Elizabeth. And he also gave me an idea about how to evangelize the city. Well, maybe Xander's idea is a little bit different, but it has the same goal. You all getting it? And maybe my idea is a little bit different, but it has the same goal. And as we go out... God's going to do and energize us in different ways to perform the ministries. That's all this is talking about right here. And he's going to equip you and build you up in his supernatural, spirit-filled way. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit it is given to each one. Here, I want you to see this. This is putting a little bit more into the recipe here, Paul is telling you what spiritual gifts look like, sound like, should be like in the church. And here's a major one, and that's this, that the gifts are given to you for the profit of the whole church. 
Now, there's one that you could argue would be profitable for you. That's gift of tongues. It says it edifies you, me. But then I would argue that that gift still profits the whole church because when you're healthy, we're all healthy. You get it? But I want you to know this is big difference. A lot of people think that the spiritual gifts are for the profit of them. <laughs> and that was a big problem in Corinth. I got this one. You don't. Come on. I'm the pastor here, and I'm getting all these gifts, and you're not. And that's what was happening in Corinth, things like that. And Paul wanted to put it to rest, and he says, look, the gifts are given to each one for the whole body. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that different than sometimes what you see? Well, for to one is given the word of wisdom, the word of wisdom through the Spirit, the word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is when uh, wisdom comes to you in a supernatural way, in a situation that can help to uh, edify, encourage, uh, assure somebody, uh, uh, you know, can, can get somebody or, uh, out of a problem or help somebody with a problem. It's the word of wisdom. You saw it in the most famous story maybe in the Bible when Solomon, King Solomon, had two moms come to him about a baby. And he said, well, that's easy. Just split the baby in half. God gave him a word of wisdom, I'm convinced, that showed him how to solve the problem. Jesus had words of wisdom constantly. I love this one story. Don't you love this story? They said, you know, uh, should we pay taxes to the Romans or not, Jesus? You ever thought about that? I mean, he gives an unbelievable answer. If he says no, Romans are going to be ticked and haul him off before his time. If he says yes, Israel is going to be ticked at him because what do you mean? You're bowing down to Caesar? And he says, well, just word of wisdom. Hey, ask him to look at the coin or show the coin. Okay, show the coin. Show the coin. He showed the coin and he said, well, wow, whatever that's stamped with, render unto the person that's stamped with. And he was teaching us so much more than whether or not we just pay taxes. I believe that was a word of wisdom. I told you this story on many occasions. It happens all the time in counseling. It happened to me when I went to witness to a man who was dying. I studied for days about evangelical scriptures. Days. I had them all lined up. I had them written out. I had them in my Bible. And here I go to a guy, and I walk in the door, and he asks me two questions. And the Lord worked it out. Here are the two questions. I've told you this many times, but I believe this was a word of wisdom. He asked me, why did God pick Israel? I wasn't prepared for that one. And he asked me the second question, have I been a good enough dad? And I believe the Lord, when he asked me, have I been a good enough dad, I can't, I always say this, I can't believe I said what I said. Because the Lord gave me a word of wisdom. I said, no. And then I said, but neither have I. And that's why we need Jesus. And we talked for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, I don't know. But when I walked in there, this man was so burdened with guilt and shame and regret. And when I left that place, and it wasn't because of me, and this was a professing Christian, so it's given for the edification or the building up of all, I got a word of wisdom. I can't believe it flew out of my mouth, no. And it like jolted him a little bit. And here he is dying. Who would say that? And I'm not saying I'm wise. It was the Lord. It was delivered right to my inbox just when I needed it. And I said no. And it when we got done, he was so light and joyful and ready to meet his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's almost too hard to explain. To follow that up, I actually flew to San Francisco and did his funeral because he was here, but he was from San Francisco. And it, I love, I don't know how to say this. This sounds morbid, but it's not. I love to do funerals. It might be my favorite thing to do. You know why? 
because people are listening. They're ready to listen. This might have been the most fruitful, amazing, beautiful funeral I've ever done because I told that story about the word of wisdom. You see how God can build up through his gifts the word of wisdom. Well, what's the second one? The second one is the word of knowledge. Another, the word of knowledge. What's the word of knowledge? The word of knowledge is getting into your spiritual inbox. (laughs) You know something that you previously had no idea about or couldn't know. You had no idea. This unique ability to declare that knowledge that could only be revealed supernaturally. It could only be revealed supernaturally. I think This is just me. You you don't have to think this. But remember when the lady was caught in adultery and Jesus got down on his knee and he was writing in the dirt? I think he received a word of knowledge. You know why? I think he was writing the names of the people who were ready to stone her. He got a word of knowledge. And there's many places throughout the Bible. Paul got this constantly when he was, uh, you know, traveling in the book of Acts. It happened in the history of this church. Totally happened. My wife and I go to Calvary Chapel, Pittsburgh, not South Pittsburgh. We're the youth leaders. The pastor and his wife are praying for us as we established a home fellowship in the South Hills. They're praying for us to find a building in which to have Sunday services because by that time we had been meeting across the street in the theater and one day our pastor, well, I think we were looking at another church up in Dormont, but whatever. When I get home, she'll let me know how the story really was. (laughs) She's got a photographic memory about this stuff. I tend to, you know, move around the details, but I know this. She said she was praying about it and she had the Lord tell her for us to look in West Elizabeth. And then she said, but I don't even know where West Elizabeth is. The Lord gave her a word of knowledge, something that was going to help edify the body, establish a body, start a church. She was given knowledge that she didn't previously have, and it came to her right when she needed it, and now look, hopefully we're being edified in this place. Well, what are the other ones? that we can talk about. What are these supernatural gifts that are listed here in 1 Corinthians 12? Well, the word of knowledge through the same spirit, but to another faith, faith. Well, you say, wait a minute. Faith? By the same spirit. What do you mean faith? Because the Bible tells us that if we're Christians, we've come into the body of Christ by faith. It's by grace we have been saved through Faith, correct? So you have to have, all of us as Christians, faith. But I don't think that's what this is talking about. I think this is a supernatural delivery of faith when you need it to do something that maybe you couldn't previously do, to endure something that maybe you didn't think you could endure, or whatever. It's this gift of faith when things are hard. Everybody tracking? You know one, one very famous one in the Bible. I believe this was a gift of faith. Can you imagine if you're following Jesus, you're one of the apostles, can you imagine? And uh, you've seen him do some certain things out on the Sea of Galilee. And you love the Lord and you're so rambunctious and you always are sticking your foot in your mouth and you're kind of, you love the Lord. But then one day he says, you know, why don't you try it? Walking on this water. <laughs> and you know the story, right? Is he would look unto Jesus, he could walk on the water. I think it was a gift of faith. You, you know somebody By the way, when he stopped looking at Jesus, what happened? Right. He would fall into the water. Many of you, in fact, some of you have even given me books about a certain man named George Mueller. Everybody here know who George Mueller was? Well, he was an English, I think he was English. He might have, is it English? Yeah. He was an English uh, Christian, born-again Christian, who ultimately, through all his studies and evangelism and all that sort of thing, was called to open orphanages over in England. But there was one problem, or 
opportunity, if you want to say it that way, George Mueller was convicted by the Lord never to ask for money, ever, or supplies to run the ministry. He literally always, for all the time that he ran these orphanages, and he had many, and he did it for many years, and if you've never read his book or books, you should read them. They're beautiful. He relied on prayer, which is really, in my opinion, he had the gift of faith that was delivered supernaturally. And he tells stories about how his wife is getting ready to say the, uh, the prayer before lunch or breakfast or whatever, and there's nothing on the table for the orphans, and his faith didn't waver. And knocks would come on the door, groceries would be delivered, and it's incredible. I believe George Mueller had the gift of faith. What's some other things? Well, uh, to another, the gift of healings, the gift of healings. It's God's healing power. Do you believe God can still heal? Either given or received gift of healings. Some people have prayed and people have been healed, but some people have received the gift of healings. And I alluded to Big Mike over here recently. When Big Mike was younger, he had to have uh, several eye surgeries. In fact, a couple years ago, I, don't th I think I'm not speaking out of turn. If I am, you correct me. But a couple years ago, uh, he was interested in getting his driver's permit so he could drive, but he couldn't pass the, uh, uh, the permit test for the eyes. And we actually had, right as COVID started, we actually had a, a vision clinic coming, and Big Mike was looking forward to it because we were going to check his eyes and do some things. Well, make a long story longer... I don't know if you know this, but today he drove to church. And, and the reason is, the reason we can say he drove to church, he's not illegal. He has a learner's permit. He came with a... <laughs> and you know why? Because, I don't know, maybe two, three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, he went to get his vision checked. It was 2020. Right? Mike's been healed, man. It's true. And the Lord can do it. But I want you to see something with the gift of healings. The Lord gives to us as He wills for the profit of all. These are supernatural healings that we get, and sometimes you don't have that gift for your whole life. They just, it just comes to you when you need it, and it's very naturally supernatural, in, like in Mike's case. I mean, at least from talking to him and, and John and some others, I don't think a bright light opened over Mike and rays shone down and he felt a warm sensation. I think it just happened. And why I'm telling you that is, be careful, because if you're using the gift of healings in an inappropriate way, well, it might not be the right thing. For instance, if we had it all the time and we knew we could conjure it up, wouldn't we drive straight to Children's Hospital? And that's the point. It's from the Lord, and it comes as He delivers it to us as we trust in Him, the gift of healings. To another, the working of miracles. Uh, one of the first verses I taught my kids when they were little is, I love this verse, Psalm 62, I believe. Power, I love it. Oh, I love it. Power belongs to God. Why am I telling you that? Because the working of miracle here literally means, or literally the Greek word there, the power word is dynamis, from which we get dynamite. <laughs> The working of miracles, dynamis. In other words, God does and still does acts of power. That's when God somehow overrides nature laws and works in and through an available person who's available to it. I think the ladies had it one time uh, when they were at the castle. There was a tornado headed right for their oil city castle while they were at a women's retreat. And at the last second, it was diverted and they were safe and praised the Lord. 
But see, the Lord can do this. The Lord can do miracles. And so I'm wondering, as I take a little detour right here, what are you thinking in your heart right now? Are you skeptical? Well, okay, I can understand it. And yet, I think this says to us and helps us be a litmus test for how we read the Bible. Do we pick and choose the things we want to pick and choose? Or are we open to everything that the Lord appropriately wants for us? Okay, how about the others? Here you go. You've been dying to hear about this. And now we get to the working of miracles, but to another, to another prophecy. The telling forth, the proclaiming, the speaking out message that comes from God in a particular situation. And it always is to exhort and encourage one another. We're going to see that even uh, as we move on into chapter 14. Because in chapter 14, it says, He who prophesies speaks, watch this, edification, it's verse 3, exhortation and comfort. So you got to watch it. Exhortation, comfort, and edification. Now, we could argue about that, but, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, Tim, uh, the Lord told me to tell you in a prophecy that, you know, you really shouldn't wear T-shirts up there. <laughs> More than one prophet has said that, by the way. <laughs> But then I'd say, well, wait a minute. Prophecy? Really? And maybe it did, because I could stand to be corrected now and then. But is that in any way exhorting me, edifying me, or comforting me in any way? Hmm. It's a foretelling of God's message in certain situations that do those things all according to the Word of God. Remember, we base everything we do, every one of these gifts, does it line up with God's Word? And then, by the way, and some people believe that it has not just a telling forth of God's message, but it could include even telling things that might happen in the future. Well, uh, what's the next one? The next one is a discerning of spirits, a discerning of spirits. What's that? Well, it's... The, it's this thing that God gives to you where you're enabled uh, to d differentiate between something that's true and something that's false. You get it? And the reason you need to know that is because Satan is the father of lies. And what Satan does is he doesn't take something that's true of God and diametrically... <laughs> Somebody in our family messes up that word all the time. But anyway, diametrically opposes what God's word is. What he does is he just bends it here and do it. So it kind of sort of looks good. And so you and I, we need this discernment so that we can tell the truth between a true and a false doctrine. Or we can tell the truth between a true and a false doctrine teacher or prophet. You get it? Because a lot of people that you see, I mean, they say certain things, certain sects, S-E-C-T-S, -E say certain things that sound right. They come to your door. They knock on it. They talk about Jesus. But the meanings that they pour into who Jesus is or what the grace of God is, is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you and I need to know it. And God can give you a discernment or a discerning of spirits. I think it's supernatural that comes to you when you need it. See how these are good for the church? And then you come to this, different kinds of tongues, and then to an interpretation of tongues. Well, what is tongues? Well, listen, this is what I think tongues is as set forth in the scriptures. It's a personal language of prayer given by God. Remember, look in verse 1 of chapter 13. 
Though I speak with the tongues of men, like in Acts 2, when they spoke in tongues and some people recognized it, but some people, it doesn't say this, but how do you know all 120? I mean, you don't know that everybody recognizes it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, a heavenly language. You say, man, that's weird. That's what keeps us from this, I think, fear and weird thinking. We think our theology of tongues is we think it's weird. Well, let me ask you something. If you were sitting on a plane beside a person from India, and they got on their superphone and they called their wife. By the way, I was texting Beck from the airplane last time I was on, and he's like, where are you? Are you stranded somewhere? I'm like, no, I'm on the airplane. I didn't even know you could do that. <clears throat> anyway, if I was on the plane and there was a man or a woman there and they were calling back to India, and they started talking in some sort of Indian dialect, I wouldn't turn to them, I for sure would not turn to them and say, you know, that sounds like gibberish and that's weird. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it's weird or gibberish. Because the Bible says, I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And so, it's some sort of, and when you get into chapter 14, we're going to talk about this at length. I want you to write down your questions. I want you to come up and talk to me and say, well, I think it's this. And, but then I'm happy to do that. Let's just look at the scriptures together. But when you get there to 14, it's going, he's going to talk about how Paul said he could speak in tongues, but prophecy was better, and he alludes over and over to the chapter that when he's in his personal prayer time, he speaks to the Lord in tongues. So what are you going to say? You're going to say, A, it's not real, and B, it ceased, or C, that I'm just weirded out by it. Well, this is a gift of tongues. Generally, a personal language of prayer given by God where the believer communicates God with God beyond the limits of his knowledge and understanding. And if you want to read about that, just turn to 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. And it's an ability to pray in an unknown tongue, of course, is not the primary or even a singular evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit. We read about that. I want you to, you get that question every single time. So, that's tongues. And you're saying, well, you didn't explain it fully. Well, we're going to spend two or three weeks going through that together with each other. So keep coming back for that. If you want to have dialogue on it after church, I'm welcome to do that too. How about this? To another, the interpretation of tongues. Why do you need an interpretation of tongues? Because in chapter 14, it says if somebody does it in the church, if they speak in tongues... There must be an interpreter in the church. Has to be. So if somebody would stand up here and started speaking in tongues, we would say, here's what we would say. Well, first of all, I don't think they would do it here because I don't think that the Holy Spirit would interrupt the other gift. Why would the Holy Spirit, if somebody over there spoke in tongues, interrupt this gift? God does everything decently in order, so I don't think that would happen. But let's just say it did what would we say? We'd say, well, is there interpretation of that? And if somebody said, or if we all said in agreement, no, then we'd say, well, we're going to just ask you to sit down because there's no interpretation. Everybody get that? Would that be mean or trying to make somebody feel bad? No, we would just be trying to do what's biblical. There has to be an interpretation of the tongues. And so if God's delivering the tongue the language to somebody in the corporate setting, there must be an interpreter. Oh, by the way, in 1 Corinthians 14, it, I just want you to know, we'll talk about it more later, what does a tongue do? It always is heavenward. Always. So if I did my speaking in tongues, and there was an interpreter that said, uh, Dom, I think you're going to get fired this week. 
He's not because he's his own boss, so he's not going to get fired. You know what I'd say as the pastor? That's a sham because it wasn't heavenward. In fact, in Acts 2, I don't believe the purpose of the tongues was to evangelize the nations. If you read in that chapter 2, it says to proclaim the mighty works of God, heavenward. You get it? So interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things distributed to each individually as he wills. As we enter more into the recipe, I've been talking about it over and over. When do you get these things? When the Lord wills that you have it. Okay, we're going to close up here and we're going to pray. And I want you to, if, if you come from a tradition that is charismania, come on up and let's talk. And let's see how we can uh, dialogue about it. If you come from somebody that's been in a church like I grew up in, that was scared of the gifts and believes, you know, I don't want you to even talk about this in the church, and I have some questions, you're welcome to come up too, okay? Otherwise, keep studying, keep looking at your Bibles, and read ahead. We'll do chapter, verse 12 through the end of chapter 12 next week. Okay, let's pray. Well, Lord, thank you so much for the recitation of the gifts here by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes in the appropriate way that we wouldn't be scared of any gift that you would ever give us. And Lord, that we'd learn these things in the way that you would have it for us, in the way that we could exercise them to glorify you and to build up the body. Lord, help us to do right in these areas, whatever side of the fence we come from. Grow us and teach us and lead us. Would you please, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.